0: You're here to learn. You want answers. We want answers. Let's just cut through the bullshit and get to the root cause. Why do I not feel the way I want to feel? Why do I not have the things I want in my life? Why can I not just be healthy and happy? Why is it so hard to achieve these things? Dr. Carmen Jones, licensed naturopathic doctor, and myself, Kimberly Jarman, life and business coach, get to the root cause. We're tired of bullshit answers. We're tired of symptom management. We want to know why. Why don't we feel as good as we want to feel? What can we do about it with simple, real solutions instead of just doing symptom management? We wanted to know why we don't have the things we want. Why aren't we achieving the goals? Why aren't we living our dreams? Why do we keep holding ourselves back? So we get to the root cause of what holds us back in mindset. So we talk about mind, body, soul things on this podcast. We provide real answers, solutions that you can create in your life to go get the things you want. So join us each week as we bring you a new episode addressing topics that are going on in the world today and things that are impacting your life on a daily basis. We're so glad you can join us and we're excited to take this journey and to continue to take this journey with you.
1: Hi folks, uh Dr. Carmen here, and welcome back to the Thrive and Aligned Healing Podcast. Um, today I want to talk about our microbiome, our probiotics and um prebiotics, our gut health, uh how the health of our microbiome can influences our sort of yeah um physical health, and then um Hopefully I'll get a little bit, uh, get to it and set it up for the next podcast. We're going to talk about uh, the gut brain access and how specifically um, some of the studies that have been put out recently uh, showing the relationship between our gut being sort of our second brain and how it influences our anxiety, depression, our mood, um, as well as just our cognitive function and even our stress response. So um, I'm excited. I've talked about probiotics on here before. Um, we've talked about gut health and, um, and and kind of, yeah, like leaky gut and sort of GI symptoms. Um, I wanna go a little bit more specific uh, today and help you understand sort of the mechanisms, right? Um, in naturopathic medicine, We've recognized that gut health is sort of the foundation of our health, um, and we've been working towards uh, supporting people in their gut health for quite a long time. That's one of the, um, I, from my perspective, I feel like it's one of the big pillars in my practice, Um but it's kind of exciting because uh, science is kind of catching up to us. Uh, finally, some of the science and the research is kind of catching up to us. And um, some of this has been out of sort of the funding and the science for COVID. And so some of the things I'm going to share sort of, yeah, um, has been related to COVID. But also they've kind of pulled a lot of what science has been out there on probiotics. So yeah. Um, we have our microbiome okay our microbiome is the bugs right the bugs that live in our gut the bugs that live on our skin in our mucus membranes like our eyes our nose our mouth um we have ton of, uh, of micro microorganisms, right? They estimate there are more microorganisms um, in and on our body than our actual cells. And um, in the past, oftentimes, like we try to single out uh, the microbiome or just like probiotics um, and not necessarily recognizing the heftiness or, uh, the complexity of those microorganisms interacting with our body, with our physiology, with our genes. Right. Um, and so it's very much uh, a complex system, but, um, that relationship is so important. Okay. Um, so the way that I like to describe, uh, the microbiome, excuse me to folks is if you think of um if you had an apartment complex okay if you owned an apartment complex or like was manager of a hotel you have so many rooms available uh for um tenants right you have so many rooms available for tenants it's not unlimited you just have so much space and you would prefer to have a tenant who pays their bills on time, (laughs) who, um, respects your, uh, place, right? Respects your apartment or your hotel room. Um, and then checks out when it's time to move on, right? That's what we would equate to sort of the beneficial bacteria, right? Things that promote our health, things that promote the, um, day to day. Yeah. Um, uh processes okay um we also have commensal bacteria so those are the bacteria that aren't really that beneficial but they're not harmful Okay, Um, so those are kind of would equate to like squatters, right? People who would come and take up space uh, so that a paying customer can't, you know, be in that space, but they're not really contributing to things. Okay, Uh, they're not really helping you grow your business or maintain your property or anything like that. And then you have the pathogenic bacteria these are usually the bacteria that we know can cause problems right um they can cause things like chronic uh disease they can cause um chronic infections they can cause damage to the gut um this would be similar to your tenants who like put holes in the walls right who um Leave the premises in a mess where you've got to cash in on that uh, security deposit um, to go in and like destroy your property. Um, That's what we would be equivalent to the pathogenic bacteria. Okay, Um, we would prefer for those not to be present. Uh, There are specific strains of bacteria in different colonies that have been identified. Um, Things like E. coli right? There's actually several different strains of E. coli, um, but we, and some of them can be um, beneficial uh, if they become, if they overgrow or they become too abundant in our gut, they can become a problem. But like oftentimes when we get food poisoning, right? Like salmonella, we've heard of, giardia, you can get um if you are out hiking and you're drinking unclean water right um uh those are the pathogenic bacteria that we know can create a uh, terrible illness in our body and cause us to be sick right nobody enjoys like uh, food poisoning or getting the stomach flu or the stomach bug right um and so well some of those pathogenic bacteria like C diff Clostridium um can can be present in our gut um, in small amounts and be okay uh, but if the environment changes those are also uh, considered opportunists so if the environment changes in our gut uh, that those bacteria can thrive then we can get sick again right? so uh, if we look at the bacteria in those sort of categories um, that can help us kind of understand that Uh, It's not just about probiotics because that's just in generic of the microorganisms, but the types of probiotics that we want, right? Um, Growing and keeping us healthy, okay? So that kind of, yeah, hopefully kind of outlines that. Now, when we're looking at sort of a positive microbiome or sort of an unhealthy microbiome, there's a couple of things kind of going on, okay? When we have a healthy microbiome, Right. That means that those probiotics are not just the beneficial probiotics, but what those beneficial probiotics actually do for us. Okay. Um, so they can actually uh, will break down and ferment certain carbohydrates uh, to create what we call these short chain fatty acids. Uh, the reason why those are important is because that uh, short chain fatty acids can create things like butyrate, which is a key component of our neurotransmitter GABA. So I'll talk about that um, maybe in the next episode, uh, but, or I will talk about that in the next episode, but that GABA is um, part of our inhibitory neurotransmitter, right? It's part of that relax, uh, relaxing our mind, helping us to kind of manage uh, sort of stressors. And so um, if we don't have a positive, a healthy, or a good microbiome, right, we're unable to create that building block. Um, you can find butyric acid in supplements, but it's not common, right? We want that to come from our gut. Um, also, the other things that butyrate does, and not just uh, helps to... Create that or be available for that building block for GABA, um, but also helps to promote the mucus in our gut lining which is going to be important. I'm going to talk about it here in a minute. Um, the Our gut is a, is a tube, right? From our mouth all the way to our anus. Um, now that tube is highly specialized for each component. Our mouth does something very different than our esophagus and our stomach, right? Um, that's very different than our small intestine and our large intestine and our colon. So each section of the gut is highly specialized in doing specific things. Well, um, the lining, or the cells that um, are on the inside of our gut tube, uh, there's tons of mucus in there, and we actually want that mucus um, because that mucus uh, keeps the back give, gives the bacteria a place to stay, right? Like that essentially is sort of your rooms, your apartments, your hotel rooms, um, and when those are empty or Um, when we start to lose structure or integrity of that mucosal lining um, is when we start to see things like the leaky gut. Okay. So uh, having more of those beneficial probiotics that help to support the um, production of these short chain fatty acids like butyrate um, also help us to maintain the gut lining, but also maintain our level of mucus. Okay. Um, it also promotes sort of like the energy, the regeneration of the gut cells, um, as well. It, those healthy bacteria in that microbiome also help us to actually break down our polyphenols. So we've, um, you may have heard of polyphenols, things like, um, blueberries and blackberries and, um, dark cherries and, uh, Those purple, blue, yeah, chocolate uh, polyphenols that uh, we often hear about as superfoods because they help with anti-aging and reducing inflammation. Well, um, they do all those wonderful things, but we have to have the microbes in our bacteria to break down those polyphenols when we eat them so that we can actually um, have access to those constituents to reduce that inflammation, right, to promote better health. Um, so sometimes we can be taking a lot of polyphenols, but if we don't have uh, an appropriate gut health or healthy microbiome, um, we may not actually be able to maximize the effect those polyphenols have um, because we're not, yeah, breaking them down to actually get to the constituents um, that's going to promote better health. Um, it also increases our, what we call um, SOD, the... Uh, superoxide dismutase, which is our the one of the best um, antioxidants our body makes, right? So we can get antioxidants in food, but our body has sort of this self-policing, self-cleaning system. And so these um, uh, SOD can be really beneficial in, um, re- again, kind of this reducing inflammation, right? Um, promoting better health. Uh, a good microbiome can also increase our absorption of vitamin D, So sometimes even if we get vitamin D from the sun, if we get vitamin D in a supplement, um, if we have trouble absorbing that vitamin D or our um, things are not changing, our levels are not changing, then oftentimes it can be because uh, of a poor microbiome. So uh, supporting a microbiome can be really beneficial in increasing our vitamin D availability. Um, we also see. Okay, so some of the studies that were done around COVID uh, showed that people who were deficient in lactobacillus, um, or well, I'll start with lactobacillus. So um, because oftentimes when you're looking at probiotics, you often see lactobacillus, bifidobacter, um, uh ba- yeah, bifidobacteria as sort of the common. Um, probiotics we see over the counter. And so what they found was that um, those who were deficient in lactobacillus uh, actually had uh, more severe respiratory symptoms with their COVID. And so folks who were sick uh, for, yeah, longer than 90 days, they started them on a, and this was in the UK, they started them on a um, lactobacilli program uh, where they were giving them strains of lactobacillus and they found that um, the incidences and the duration of their symptoms um, significantly declined in that period. And so uh, they started using that as preventive um, for folks. They also, um, there's a researcher out of California who has preliminary studies. She, um, they're in the process of getting these published, but um she looks at the genetic component of the microbiome, and or yes, uh, and she was researching, um, stool samples for people who had COVID. And what she was finding was those who were in the hospital who had severe illness, um, respiratory, even and some gastrointestinal uh, symptoms of COVID, um, over and over again, those subjects, I think she tested uh, over a thousand in their clinic in California, um, stool samples, and uh, over and over they saw deficient populations of bifidobacteria. Um, those seem to be the folks who had the worst um. Severity of illness around with COVID, right? Um, so we can kind of extra- extrapolate a little bit, right? Is that there um, for folks who were deficient in the lactobacillus and bifidobacteria colonies, um, their immune system is not quite um, optimal, okay? So uh, they, yeah, were uh, experienced the severity and the duration of those of that illness, specifically COVID, uh, as what they were studying in those two particular situations to be um, more intense. Sorry. Um, So hopefully that outlines the benefits of a good micro. Um, why we want good bacteria, why we want those bacteria to work for us, right? That's part of the foundation of health. Um, now, what we see in a poor microbiome um, is that a lot of different things can be happening. Um, and so we've talked about leaky gut, um, but I want to tell you, explain kind of what leaky gut means, where that comes from. Um, so a lot of our gram-negative bacteria Um, creates problems for the body okay most bacteria um, we usually put it in two big categories gram positive or gram negative our immune system has been trained and programmed um, with our biology to keep an eye out for gram negative bacteria because gram negative bacteria is what causes um, the worst illnesses right Um, so as far as Gut health goes. That's what I was talking about. Like the Salmonella, the E. coli, um, Clostridium difficile, C. diff. Those are gram-negative bacteria. So our body knows when it sees gram-negative um bacteria that it is going to create a response to, right? Like that, all the fire, all the alarms are going off. Um, what's unique about gram-negative bacteria is that it releases when it. Dies, it releases this something called LPS. It's a, called a lipopolysaccharide. Um, now, LPS is important to understand because um, when our body sees that LPS, that's how it knows there's gram-negative bacteria around. Okay, so when it knows that there's gram-negative bacteria around, that's when it yeah um, calls in all the troops for uh, that immune response. So a lot of our probiotics that live in our gut are gram-negative bacteria, okay? Um, But they're beneficial gram-negative bacteria. So um, if we go back and revisit, remember I said that the lining of our gut is is covered in mucus, right? Um, The beneficial probiotics, um, or the good bacteria, if you will, live in that mucosal lining. So when that mucosal lining is intact, that gram negative lives there. It's happy. It's that symbiotic relationship. It's fermenting those foods for us. It's making these vitamins. It's increasing our absorbability of um, these antioxidants. And uh, some of, in some cases even helps produce some of our vitamins and um and and uh building blocks that our body needs. Uh, but and when um that mucosal layer turns over, right? Um when those cells uh die and regenerate right um those bacteria might die off it might release uh a little bit of that lps here and there right but it usually stays in the gut tube and then it's eliminated when we have bowel movements when you yeah um eliminate waste uh so that's a, a healthy system okay um what can happen is when we kind of get that leaky gut That gram-negative bacteria, uh, whether it doesn't technically matter, doesn't technically matter whether it's the beneficial bacteria or uh, if we have commensal bacteria or even the pathogenic bacteria, when it um, goes through its lifestyle and it releases that LPS, um, if our mucosal layer is damaged, if the integrity of the lining of our gut is damaged. Um, when it releases that LPS uh, instead of that LPS staying in the tube to be eliminated, well, now it has access to the bloodstream. Right. And when the bloodstream sees it, our body's like, okay, all the alarms are going off. We are having uh, an invasion of gram negative bacteria. So it um, sends all these signals to send immune cells to attack that LPS. Right. Um, So it's sort of this fail-safe system um, to protect the body. Well, that's what creates the inflammation, right? That chronic inflammation is now circulating in your bloodstream. That goes to, if that LPS lands in um, an organ system, right? If it lands in the thyroid, if it lands in the joints, if it lands on the kidneys, Um, your immune system is going to address it. Uh, And so it's trying to recruit all these immune cells to kill that or to get rid of it. But it thinks it's because it thinks that there's gram-negative bacteria there, which is a problem, right? And it turns out that's just the, um, that's not the active gram-negative bacteria. That's just the LPS that's circulating in your blood system because we had a leaky gut, a, 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 loss of integrity in the gut lining so instead of you know it being excreted it now yeah is floating around in your body so um that inflammation right we know that that creates chronic disease this is what some of the new the science is catching up to. (laughs) Um, And so now we can kind of see it and read about it. uh, Even though we kind of knew this intuitively within the naturopathic world is that that inflammation um, is what that is becomes chronic, right? That leads to um, cardiovascular disease, blood pressure, metabolic issues, insulin resistant, obesity, um, aging, right? Um, Inflammatory bowel diseases, uh, osteoporosis and dementia, um, that inflammation can also cross the blood brain barrier. And this is what I'm going to talk about a little bit more, um, in our next episode. But, um, if we are, oh, so this also that circulating inflammation right um and the sort of that unregulated immune response um because it's chasing these little lps molecules that are like seeping in to the bloodstream all the time um kind of creates this opportunity for autoimmune disease um because again it's that unregulated so when we're looking at the root cause um if for autoimmunity, for chronic inflammation, um, we have to consider the gut health. We have to consider where, where and how we're gonna address that gut health. Um, when that inflammation can cross the blood-brain barrier, right? Um, there's a very distinct separation between our brain circulation and our body circulation, right? We don't want a ton of things going up to our brain um that are kind of un- yeah. Um, Uh, unpoliced, if you will. So what we see is um, that inflammation crossing the blood-brain barrier, well, those LPS can actually wreak havoc on our serotonin, on our dopamine receptors, right? Um, We're seeing research that shows how the LPS can actually bind to our serotonin receptors and our dopamine receptors. Um, And so if it binds to our serotonin receptors, right, that means that uh, the serotonin that we do produce doesn't, it's like that's the lock or that's the key and then the lock is the receptor. So we may be producing enough serotonin, but if we can't get it into that uh, lock uh, to turn it on, it's not helpful, right? In our serotonin, we've you know, um, when it's imbalanced, we can see anxiety, depression it's sort of this uh feel uh, molecule, the happy molecules how we what we call it, but you know, um to help us experience joy and sort of that that happiness. Um the same thing with dopamine, right? If we don't have uh the if the dopamine receptor is occupied and we're producing dopamine, but it's not, you know, able to connect to that receptor, um, we're going to have trouble, right? That's our reward molecule. Um, It's hard to have motivation. It's hard to like find things that you want to do sort of that want, that motivation, that desire to do things, um, you know, that's not working uh, as well. So then, you know, we've kind of find, Uh, leaning more towards like addictive behaviors, or you're always kind of chasing that dopamine rush or that dopamine um, hit, if you will, because that receptor is blocked, Right. So, um, we can also see when we have this negative gram bacteria, um, doing what it's supposed to do, but releasing this LPS and this LPS is, yeah, creating this inflammation, um, that immune response kicks up our cortisol, right? We've talked about physical stressors and emotional stressors. So that chronic inflammation can be a physical stressor. Um, so I would argue things like leaky gut is a physical stressor that our body's constantly having to address in the background. Yeah. Um, So the importance of understanding that I think can be very helpful um, to try and figure out right uh, where we're going to address it. So I want to introduce to you a, I'm going to make sure I got all my notes. So they did a study in um, Texas with college students. And um, I, anyway, I, I think it was North Texas, but, um, what they did is they pulled students, um, who are relatively healthy. Um, and they took two different groups of students. They took one group of students, um, and they, there was a placebo group. And then they took another group of students and they fed them pizza every day for 30 days. Okay. These guys volunteer, uh, Yeah, volunteered for this study. And what they were assessing is they were assessing the microbiome, they were assessing leaky gut factors, and they were assessing some other metabolic um, hormones and some signaling hormones. I wanted to see what changes. So essentially what they were trying to do was they were trying to induce leaky gut in that 30 days right? They said, okay, we're going to feed them simple carbohydrates, right? We're going to feed them um, processed foods. And um, whether they had leaky gut before or not, they didn't, you know, that um, wasn't part of the equation. So uh, they fed these college students pizza for 30 days, right? Um, And they measured their scores and they saw uh, that their immune response was lower they saw that their triglycerides went up um, and they saw that their um, IGA or some of the markers for leaky gut had gotten higher. And then they put them on a probiotic regimen for 30 days and then remeasured. And what they were essentially trying to do is I wanted to see, okay, if we induce leaky gut and we um, uh, provide a, technically it was a spore probiotic, um, in that 30 days, can we, Uh, reverse leaky gut right um and essentially what they found is that yes after that 30 days of being on the probiotic they could um not just uh change their values to be closer to baseline but in some cases actually improved them um compared to baseline before they ate pizza for 30 days uh so then when they compared that's yeah um to the placebo group, who didn't have any, yeah, um, probiotics, their numbers really didn't change in that, you know, entirely uh, sixty days. Uh, but those that ate the pizza every day for thirty days, they're significantly changed. So, uh, what they concluded was that by doing a spore probiotic, um, you can see changes in um, their level of inflammation. Right, that's really, um, and that what we call endotoxemia. So endotoxemia is just a fan, fancy term for that LPS, right? Because that LPS, technically, uh, that lipopolysaccharide that's secreted from the gram native bacteria, technically that's a toxin. Okay, um, and usually, like I said, it's usually excreted uh, in our stool. If it stays in the digestive tract, when it leaks out into the bloodstream, is when we uh, have our issues with chronic inflammation. So, um, so they look at, um, those levels of inflammation and what would they call endotoxemia. And so, um, since they were able to, um, look at that level of inflammation, they also measured things like a, um, uh, our hunger hormones. Okay. So things like ghrelin. Um, so if you guys have heard of ghrelin and leptin, uh, resistance, oftentimes in, um, obesity research, we're looking our metabolic syndrome or metabolic dysfunction. We're looking at this ghrelin and leptin hunger, um, hormones and sensitivity. And, um, that may be a whole nother podcast on its own, but I'm going to introduce it real quick. Cause it was part of this study. So, um, when we are hungry, Right when we have these hunger hormones, that is called ghrelin, um, and it's a biological adaptation for sometimes our ghrelin to be really high, uh, because if you think back, right, it take a lot of motivation to get out of that cave and go out and find something to eat, right? Um, because the outside of the cave wasn't safe, and so our uh, we have that natural adaptation. So when our ghrelin is high, oftentimes we are hungry, right? Or like we don't get that satiated feeling. Um, And if that hormone doesn't decline when we're eating, then we're often overeating, right? Um, Which is a common occurrence for Americans. So what they did with these um, students is they also measured their ghrelin hormone. And what they found is that um those folks who at the beginning right they fed them 2000 calories of pizza and you would expect uh after eating 2000 calories of pizza that their ghrelin hormone would come down because i'd be like okay i'm satiated i'm full i don't need to eat more um and so they found at the end of that 30 days that their ghrelin hormone was not declining Right, um, or it was declining very slowly. Um, and in some cases, I think there were two or three, two, um, where their ghrelin hormone actually increased after they ate two thousand calories of pizza. Right, um, that's the opposite of we what we want. Right, you eat, uh, you eat, and that ghrelin hormone is supposed to come down. Um, that, that signals to our body, hey, we're not hungry anymore. You went and found food. Great job. Um, yeah. Let's wait till we're hungry again. Um, And so after the initial 30 days, and then after they did the Megaspore probiotic for 30 days, uh, they looked at the ghrelin hormone response again. And what they found is when they um, saw reduction in the leaky gut factors, they also saw better response in the ghrelin hormone. So after they ate, if they were fasting after they ate, um, that ghrelin hormone came down, um, in a timely manner so that, yeah, they weren't hungry anymore, right? Um, we've seen this study done with rats as well. Um, with rats, it was always, like, it was this idea of, um, an obesity gene, right? Like, why some rats, um, would, uh, they eat the same diet, why some rats would become obese and others weren't, or they could take um, stool samples from rats who are obese and uh, implant it in with a fecal transplant into a rat that was uh, skinny or a healthy weight, and then that rat would become obese. Um, and it's the similar idea, but they were looking at um, the that probiotics and that ghrelin relationship as well and so um though because of the complexity right of these microorganisms um being colonies right there are not we think of them as microorganisms and they are and they are um but they're still complex in how they um interact and re uh uh Interact and relate, I guess, to the environment, which is our body and how they influence our genes, how they influence our um, health, right? Our availability um, of vitamins, our availability of uh, even amino acids and um, building blocks. So I wanted to share that a little bit with you today to kind of help to kind of understand um, sort of the microbiome and help to kind of lead in uh, when we talk next time about sort of that blood brain barrier, how our microbiome and our gut brain access influence our mood, our motivation, our cognition, our brain fog, and our, even our stress. Um, so things we can do to help to support our microbiome, um, uh, probiotics course. Now, not all probiotics are created equally, okay? Uh, and so I think I've said this before, but probiotics, um, we're looking for, if you're looking for something over the counter, we're looking for like 10 to 20 billion CFUs. And we want to make sure that, I don't have an example, um that it's usually I tell folks greater than four strains of specific bacteria um species okay uh now you have to be a little bit careful and really read the bottle and the label because some bottles will tell you oh it's 50 billion um in the capsule but if you read on there and it has like it'll have a little couple sentences and it says well um guaranteed maybe 10 billion until expiration date okay um you may be paying a lot more for that because like cuz on the label on the front it says 50 billion but if you're only getting 10 billion, you know, that may not be the best choice. So, um looking at um those that kind of that fine print, okay? And usually it's like in a couple sentences, it might be under the ingredients. Okay. Now um, the spore probiotics. Um, so megaspore is one. Um, another spore probiotic, Dr. Axe has a spore probiotic that um his company is putting out. Uh those are microorganisms that um are also soil-based. Okay, so they're a little bit different um than just sort of the uh regular over the counter probiotics that we see. So usually if you have been taking a probiotic for a really long time um, and you haven't seen changes in your gut health, I encourage people to switch. You should notice a difference with your probiotic, okay? Um and I can um put a link in the show notes um with my yeah, uh on so you can look at the megaspore probiotic. Um, you do, I think, have to have a physician's code, and so I can share that with you as well, or feel free to reach out um, so that you can have access to that. Uh, and then um, prebiotics as well, okay? So prebiotics is what feeds those probiotics. Um, So things like chicory, things like inulin, things that are high in fiber, like chia seeds, beans, um, whole grains, uh, vegetables are great at feeding the beneficial bacteria. So even if you're not doing a probiotic, just increasing fiber and whole foods, um, vegetables in your diet will help to promote the growth of your natural flora or the bacteria in your gut. Um, And so they can outcompete some of the other um, bacteria that rely on sugars and processed foods. And so we can make that shift in our gut health um, by influencing it with the things that we eat. Um, And then you can also do fermented foods, which is one of my favorite things like kombucha, sauerkraut, apple cider vinegar, other fermented veggies. I've got some carrots and ginger, uh, lacto-fermenting now, um, water kefir, milk kefir, things like that Um, will help to repopulate. Okay, so um, it will help to provide those beneficial bacteria. um, But you have to, to eat whole foods or prebiotics to help to promote those bacteria to flourish or to grow right so that they will um uh occupy your rooms right people if you think of your uh, as your gut health right is that apartment or that hotel room right if you're bringing in probiotics uh you're taking in those probiotics Kind of as if people are coming in and touring, right? Like they're going to tour it all day long. Um, but if you feed them prebiotics, that gives them an opportunity to grow, to really kind of get established in the gut um, and to kind of regenerate, right? So you're really encouraging them, kind of enticing them to really just move in um, and help to promote your gut health. All right. All right. I think that's all I've got for today, you guys. Thanks for um. Hanging with me and stay tuned for our next episode. And we'll talk a little bit more about gut health and the gut brain access and um, what we can do and how it influences um our uh mood, our stress response. Right. Yeah. Um, and even uh our cognition to a certain extent. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us. If this information was helpful, please share with a friend. We appreciate it when you take just a few minutes to leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast at. It helps expose our podcast to more people getting this information into more hands. Currently, we're in open enrollment for our New Beginnings program. Dr. Carmen and I work with individuals to increase their self-confidence by doing mindset work and addressing the neurochemicals and hormones so they can create confidence at a faster rate, therefore achieving our dreams and goals faster. This is something you're interested in. You'll find our link in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you guys and we'll see you next episode.